you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Hi, I'm Myrna, and we are, I am, I don't have a personality identity this morning. Oh, really? (laughs) We are coming to you live from Mogger Bargains in Cottonwood, Idaho. Yeah. John Mogger, actually they call it Major Bargains, but John Mogger donates his office so that we can broadcast for a better sound, a clearer sound for our listeners. So thank you, John. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yes. He is an awesome guy. When we first came here, remember how he gave us a stove and everything yes. for free? Right. When we first came to Idaho, yeah. we didn't have much of anything, and he let us use that stove. That's how kind he is. He's, He's a, a very kind, kind man. Christian yes. man. And then we were able to give it back to him when we moved into the house. Yeah, and we? it was in the same shape it was it when was. he gave it to we us. We took good care of it. Yeah. Well, we have a guest today, and her name is Amy. Amy was born and raised in the Mormon church. She was taught that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the only true church. She never questioned this until God began to work in her life, planting seeds in various ways. Amy and her husband were married in the LDS, and that's what the initials will probably be using for Latter-day Saints, temple, and started a family, sure that this was God's best for their lives. The God of the Bible continued to work in Amy's life and to draw her to him. Amy, thank you so much for coming today and being our guest. Hello, it's a privilege to be here and I'm excited to share my story with everyone. So I think they're excited to hear it. (laughs) We are. Yeah. So kind of just start with your childhood, how it was to grow up in a Mormon church and how that, you know, just the indoctrine. Yeah, um, I was raised in the LDS church, and I had a really wonderful upbringing, a really wonderful, strong, loving family, and um, my early years, mostly um, fond memories um, of church activities, and um, it just was a warm, pleasant environment. Um, My family moved when I was 10 years old, and I don't we came into a town that had a strong Christian influence and I began to have people at school could like say things and make comments. And I hadn't experienced that where we lived before. And one boy in the sixth grade asked if I would lift my ponytail up so he could see the horns on the back of my head. (laughs) And I was like, what are you talking about? I'd never heard that rumor that Mormons had horns on the back of their heads. And, oh. um, and just various things that would be said. But also, along with that, I had a, um, many Christian friends who would witness to me and share things with me. And at the time, I took it as they, like, like they hated me or they hated mm. Mormons. I took it as something negative. And, um, and God... Through the years, working through my life, I look back now, and they loved me yeah. because they took that bold step. When you're a, when you're in junior high and high school, you don't want to go out on a limb and say something that makes you look different to somebody else. Yet they would mm-hmm. share the gospel with me, and um, um, God, probably I don't know somewhere around 
my early high school years, God really started working in my life and just things dropped, little seeds, not only people, but things got dropped into my life. One, like I went to a yard sale and I wound up with um, Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place. Oh, really? Yes. And I read that and just fell in love with it. And I was like, I want what Corey has. That's what I wanted in my life. And I knew I didn't have it. And, And also I had some records. I had a record player, um, which is kind of odd for a teenager in the 1990s, but <laughs> um, I found some worship records, some Christian worship records at um, some yard sales, and I started listening to them and memorized the words, and I would wonder, like, what do they mean? I didn't understand some of the phrases. They seemed odd to me, and it made me wonder, but I loved the feeling of them, and I would listen to them over and over again. The feeling, what What feeling? Oh, there was a worshipfulness, an awe for God that I didn't experience in the Mormon church. Just um, when they were singing, it was like all their emotion was devoted to worshiping God. There was a reverence there. Reverence isn't the right word. Um, And I I did not experience that as a Mormon. Maybe a relationship. But as once I was born again, I describe it now as I am in total awe of God. Like what he has done for me and so when you sing praise it's just you're you're worshiping from the from the very innermost part of your being and that's I did not experience that Mm -hmm. um in the LDS church and I remember one time uh an adult commenting to me that how the when the LDS people were singing hymns in church it sounded like a funeral dirge and this Mm. was from an LDS adult and I thought well, that's an odd thing to say. But then as I, I grew and, and wondered, I realized it's true. And there, and I've heard many LDS people complain of that. And I think it's, um, I, I don't, a lack of totally understanding what God has done for us, what Jesus mm-hmm. Christ has done for us. So it's a void of, of the truth? Yeah. A void of well, a relationship with Christ. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure, for sure. And when you know what he's done for you, I guess part of that too, I guess, is acknowledging our nothingness before God. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, then you realize how far above he is and what he has done to come down and save you, that you you had nothing to offer. And it leaves you with awe mm-hmm. that he would do that. I know when I was in the Mormon church, they made the men out to be gods, the men in the church. And we were supposed to worship the men. Yeah, with with the priesthood authority that men are given in the LDS church, it it kind of boosts the ego, mm-hmm. and um, that was something interesting to wrestle with too. So, did and, you feel lesser than? You know, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that at all. I had somebody comment, someone who was LDS, comment to me and say, you know. LDS men tend to be chauvinistic, and I thought, I didn't see it. I couldn't see it. I didn't see what they were saying at all until God began to draw me out, and then I started to see things that, like, when, like, the the Boy Scouts was a program that the LDS church was heavily involved with for Mm -hmm. young men, and um, they would do big banquets and things for the scouts like they'd get their eagle award uh and and it was just like a big to do which it should be that's huge that they did that it's awesome but 
for the young women, we would work through our time, like six years to achieve, we'd do these goal setting and achieving them. And then at the end, we would just be handed a little necklace in the like in the middle of the church service. That was our big to do. And like sometimes you would have a party for everyone that year who received their award, but it was nothing like the hoopla over the boys who got their Eagle Scout awards. And it didn't even faze me at the time. I didn't even think it, not till I was an adult and looking back and actually working with young women myself and looking and thinking, why is that? That's really odd. So um, was yeah. the six year program um, with LDS curriculum or was Yes. Okay. So it'd be a book that you're given. Okay. And so, Every so often, you're supposed to accomplish so many goals, and then because yeah. the Boy Scouts would be outside of the LDS right. curriculum, right? But Do you each think that religion some- that per- it could be, but each religion that participates in the Scouts, and I know things have changed, so I could yep. be off now. But when I was growing up, you you know, like say the Catholic Church, the Mormon Church, or mm-hmm. you know, Evangelical Church, they they could have their influence, like they would have special awards through Scouts that would be centered around LDS doctrine. So. Um, Okay, because that's what I was wondering. That could be the difference because it was LDS curriculum versus because you could bring for Boy Scouts, you could bring in. I mean, that's bringing people in the community in, and you could try to draw it them really from the church. Wasn't um, I mean, you may. It, I guess it probably totally depends on the dynamics of where you live. Oftentimes, um, an LDS, you know, that ward has a Boy Scout troop, and it's just them. And other people who are not LDS are welcome to come join but mm-hmm. the vast majority of them will be LDS so yeah so when the when the people when the other when the Christians were witnessing to you you felt did you feel threatened attacked, attacked. yeah okay yeah and now I understand better uh it caused like cognitive dissonance. You're saying things that make me question what I was taught and that makes me feel uncomfortable. And I interpreted that as something bad. So did you, what did you do with that as far as, did you go home and talk with your parents about it? Did you go to your LDS? Um, yeah, I would, uh, leaders. I talked to my parents and I, I would ask some questions. Um, I, my, my parents allowed us to attend church with our friends. So I'd been to some other church services um, so and, go ahead. Oh, so, and I would come home like, what are they doing? I, I went to a Pentecostal church service oh. and, and they were talking about how they'd laid hands on sister right. so-and-so in the hospital. She was healed and everybody, you know, was mm-hmm. excited. And I came home and I was like, um, how come the Mormon church says we have the priesthood we're the only ones with the priesthood authority to heal. How come they prayed for this lady and she was healed? How could they do that if only Mormons have that? So, and and um, I can't remember my dad's response, but he took my serious question seriously and 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 answered. Um, Did they ever say you can't go anymore? Or no, they didn't. But mostly, I felt super uncomfortable because it wasn't what I was familiar with. So I didn't feel like. I wanted to go again because it was so out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. That, and it yeah. confused you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when you get confused, you don't want to go back to something that's confusing. Right. And you couldn't understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, your parents let you do that, let, let you go back in to the church out of, outside of the LDS teaching. 
And did you ever, I mean, so did the, your classes clash? What the LDS was teaching you clash, obviously, with everything you were seeing. Right. I, I remember one point, I had never heard before, like, the doctrine that God had a father who had a father, which is, you know, that um, that there was a beginning to God. And um, when I heard that, it just, something didn't sit right with me. It felt really weird and and they I think probably about that age junior high high school they began to getting into deeper doctrine that I hadn't heard in my younger years like elementary school years and I started kind of thinking what this is really strange I've never heard this before and I remember one time standing outside in the hallway after Sunday school and saying to a group of um of other kids at, at the LDS church like how do we know that we have the truth. Other churches say they do. How do we know that the Mormon church is right? And I got, I got shut down. I got like, Amy, how could you say that? And I was like, oh, you know, quickly I learned, don't ask that kind of question. So I, I so your did, peers said that? Yes. Yeah. Other teens who mm-hmm. were standing around with me and they were shocked that I would ask that because I was wondering, how, mm-hmm. how do we know? <laughs> yeah. So... How how did you find that out? That, I mean, so the, you they asked. I mean, they they kind of attacked you, right? It gave me a little bit of shame. Shut me down. Yep, shut you yeah. down. Yeah, and um, I guess I still felt comfortable enough, even though I had some question. Was wondering my comfort zone there was huge with a, a you know wonderful family and familiarity with what I was raised with. Mm-hmm. That I would, I wasn't uncomfortable enough to be worth asking more questions. This is something I've, I've, I've learned is that um, when you say to somebody, particularly like in the LDS church, can you, you know, like you present something to them and you've presented them some facts and you kind of got them stalemated over it. They aren't thinking, oh, is this true or not? They're thinking, if I agree with what you're saying, that may mean leaving my um, my marriage, my family, my social circle that I've been familiar with. And um, so that's more the question that's going on in your head, not whether this is ringing true, but is what you're saying, is that worth abandoning what I was raised with and my social circle? Okay. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the conversation with Amy about her fears and and questions she had when she was younger. So we're going to go to break now. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Well, hello, everybody. We're back from break. And I'm Annette. I'm Myrna. And there's Amy, the one that's been talking about her childhood. So, Amy? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, So, you graduated. You had doubts Mm -hmm. in, in school because Christian... Peers were talking to you about God. Yes. You got some. You received some music, some records that you were listening to, mm-hmm. and that was speaking to you because you felt like there was something in the music that you didn't have when you when you sang in your LDS right. church. And now you're getting ready to graduate. And what's mm-hmm. what happens? Um, around that time, I, I had been wrestling between God and the world. I felt like I had one foot in each place, and I finally came to a point where I was like, "Okay, God." I surrender. I want what you want in my life. I was probably 16, 17 years old. And I said, from now on, I, I want to ask you what you want for me to do. And I became very serious about that. I don't believe I was born again at that point, but God, <laughs> he was working in my life. And he, and I assumed at that time that that meant that the Book of Mormon was true because I felt um, his love for me. And I felt um, that I was... I, I'm closer to God. Like that's, I wanted his best for my life. And so I assumed that meant everything I was raised with was true. The Book of Mormon, the LDS Church, all these things. And um, so I thought, okay, this is where God wants me to be. Because that was my assumption. I couldn't understand that God would want anything else. Right. So um, I went off to um, an LDS college. And um, during that time, my family moved to another area. And um, I came home. And met my husband there. And um, we both wanted what we felt was God's best in our lives, which was to be married in an LDS temple. Right. Um, for LDS people, uh, they believe that the family unit would be together forever if you're sealed in an LDS temple. Mm-hmm. And there's a lo- also a lot of religious social pressure to be married in a temple. If you right. aren't, like, say you get married civilly and then later you get sealed together in the temple, That's it's really looked down on almost like second class. And mm-hmm. so it was really important to us that we 
that that we did that mm-hmm. and um so so we were married in the temple and I remember when I was at LDS college there was so much talk about oh man you you get to go to the temple this you know like hyped up so excited this is going to be the best thing in your life and I remember when I went and being in the ceremony and just feeling like something's wrong mm. like this is weird <laughs> and I would looked around and there's my parents there's this person that these people I know and and just feeling this like I stepped into some kind of cult or something <laughs> you know like me what would they do if I got up and left would they make me sit back down and but mm-hmm. I think there's there's my mom there's my dad there it has to be okay it has to be okay these people are here these are good people that I love and trust so I just um quieted it all down and 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 sat through it and figured something something was wrong with me because I wasn't feeling so wonderful in the temple. And um, I just... What does it mean to be sealed? Okay, that means there's certain rituals you do, and then that means that in the eternities, you will continue to be husband and wife. You would have husband and wife relationships. Your children would be with you, right. um, which gets kind of weird because then if they get married to someone, where are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but yeah. anyway, it, it means that you would continue having husband and wife relationships. Okay. And family is huge to yes. LDS church, yes. which is good. It's, um, it's a moral, it creates a good moral environment, but it can definitely tend towards legalism and something I really feel like God showed me as he was working in my life was it leads to idolatry that family becomes more important than him. Our children become more important than him. Give us and, one example of a ritual that you had to do when you were married in the temple. Um, well, there's certain handshakes you do and certain phrases you say. Okay. And um, when you first go in, before anything starts... You are supposed to make a promise that you won't reveal anything oh. that's going to happen and that you won't um, and that you will promise to keep everything that you say. And you're sitting there going, but I don't know what it is yet. And you want me to promise when I don't know what it is. <laughs> so that felt a little strange. Yeah. Why is everything and, so secret? Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, because it had been talked about so much, it seems so sacred to me and so uh, important um, and I, um, as some share things, what you can be okay, comfortable well, sharing. No, and, and it doesn't bother me, but I know it bothers L- other LDS people. Mm-hmm. I can share fine. And anybody who wants to know, I mean, there's videos on YouTube. There's, mm-hmm. there's websites. If you feel like you want to know more detail, mm-hmm. you can go there. Um, later in my life, I had someone share that the rituals in the LDS temple were similar to Masonic ones and they had been a mason and they knew they had been both and so i you know at the time i thought i wasn't god hadn't pulled me out yet so i was just kind of like oh well there must be some truth in the masons then and they're just misguided and um but later i i came to see that those that those masonic rituals um were um of the occult Yep. And it made me realize that those rituals that were happening in the temple the, and the people who go there really, truly are seeking God. They want to know him and they have a heart for God. And so I'm not. But those rituals are inspired. Joseph Smith used the Masonic um, 
the, those he used those Masonic rituals and adapted them for for the temple ceremony. Mm-hmm. And there's many different ways people look at that. Some people say, well, that's what they did in Solomon's temple, which right. it wasn't. But um, so. Um, Anyway, that I, I began to realize that it wasn't a good thing if they were similar to each other. Mm-hmm. And I began to understand why I felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. in it. In, in the marry in the yeah. in the wedding. So you guys got married and then what happened? Well, I thought growing up we were very much encouraged that you need to go to the temple, and if you do, your life is going to be blessed, and you follow this path that the church has laid out for you, and you're, you're, there's some, uh, some like in the Doctrine and Covenants, there's some verses that talk about that. When you do what God says, He's bound to bless you. Some things began to happen in my life, and I did not feel blessed. And one was my dad was excommunicated, and um. He butted heads with our local um, leadership over some political things, and he wouldn't back down, so he was excommunicated. I was 20, um, probably been married for about a year, and I just felt like the world was coming down on top of me because it meant um, being ostracized. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my family, I saw it on my siblings who were still at home, and for me, it was just like this panic, like... <gasps> You know what? What does that mean for our family eternally? And 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 um, one thing we were told is that when you're excommunicated, you lose the Holy Spirit. And I watched my dad, and I'm thinking he's no different. It's not like he's spiraling into some horrible, evil place. He's still my dad. He's still the wonderful, moral man that he always was. And um, so, um, so you <laughs> thought if he lost the Holy Spirit, he would be different? Yeah. And he wasn't. How and, different, I wonder. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what I was expecting. I don't, some well, kind he, of darkness or yeah. something. If he lost the Holy Spirit, he would be in darkness. Yeah, and so that made me question, mm-hmm. how how come, you know? And um, and there are several other things that at that time were very difficult for me to deal with. And I was going to church looking for answers, praying like, God, this is so hard. Where's the answers? And... I wasn't hearing answers. I wasn't hearing real help at church. But <laughs> there's the Bible camp a few miles from us, and they sponsored a radio tower for Moody Radio. Oh. And so I had Moody Radio at my house, and I listened. I listened, and I listened to um, Dr. Dobson, and I listened mm-hmm. to, and, and it just, for, for a handful of years, I just listened, and I began to get real help, and I began to see, this dynamic isn't healthy and this and 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 God can do this and they're talking about grace and and how it's free and I'm like wondering how do I and I just began this wrestling like how do I fit this all together with where I'm at with what God's doing right now and and um, grace is free yes <laughs> you don't have to do rituals to get in goodness <laughs> so where was where was your husband in all of this as you were drawing closer to God and closer to a conversion. He was going through some hard things, some difficult things in entrenched in some shame and um, struggling to to step out of that. So I think he felt stuck and did not yeah. feel free. Confused too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So who made the first step towards Christ? Um that's 
That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think we're going to have that answered. After we get after, back from break. After we get back from break. So you guys can't go anywhere. You have to know what happened and who made the first conversion experience. Yeah. And met the real Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll talk to you guys when we get back from break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abbadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Yeah, we're back live from Mogger's Bargain. Mogger's Bargains. I can't talk today. Easy for you to say. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And we have live with us our guest speaker that is talking about the Mormons and how she transitioned from it. So go ahead. Hello. (laughs) Okay. um, So Marina had Mm -hmm. asked who... Who became a Christian first? That's right. Okay. Who so, made the first step? Yeah. <laughs> so this is an interesting process because while my husband was struggling with some shame issues and all this stuff, and and I think feeling distant from God, I was, I was like the one um, seeking God and trying to figure this out, and um, he, God got him first, <laughs> and he just. God bowled him over and he was working away from home at the time and he called me and he started describing these things that were happening to him and he just was like, I don't know, there's like this amazing, like, you know, the Holy Spirit was just pouring out on him and And he's a visual person anyway. Yes, he is. (laughs) Yes, he is. So he'd call and tell me and I knew from listening to Christian radio what was going on. He was, he'd become born again Mm -hmm. and I, in my even though I had been maybe the more religious person, 
I was guilty of pride because mm. I'd look to him and I thought, oh, well, you who are the sinner, you're the right. one who needed this. And I looked at myself and thought, I'm the one who held this together. I'm, I was closer to God. I don't need that experience. But you you were such a sinner. You need that. That mm-hmm. I never said that. And I never would acknowledge that. But it's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was very happy for him because I could, uh, He we picked him up at the airport and he looked 10 years younger. It was oh, wow. just, it was just amazing. The Holy Spirit working his life. New yeah. creation, you he, think? New creation. And it was like having a new husband. And mm-hmm. so um, that was very interesting. And so he being trained and raised at the Mormon church is the one true way and, and feeling contention from other, you know, from Christianity, like you can't fit in there. It just felt like there was this huge gulf between the two and you couldn't cross it. So he assumed that he was going to get closer to God in the Mormon church. Oh. So he he was like, you know, let's dive in full mm-hmm. force and and just ready to do all this work for God, excited and um, he burnt out, mm. and he it like just trying to put a round ball in a square hole. Yeah, it just yeah. People what thought was, he was exactly. Ahead. What was their what was their response to him? They thought he was <laughs> odd. One time he got up to uh, the first Sunday of the month is fast and testimony meeting. So you fast, mm-hmm. come to church fasting, and then anybody can get up to the pulpit and share their testimony. Oh, yeah. So Kevin would get <laughs> oh. up, and he was talking about becoming a new creature and all this stuff, you know, the Holy Spirit in his life, and people shut him down, like, you know, like, you got to stop talking all this weird stuff, or he'd hear it from someone else that someone told this family member that you, you got to tell, you got to tell him to stop it, and um, so he just, so it just, you know, more and more, just feeling more and more oppressed. It's called and, a prophet's not known in their own hometown. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I felt, what I felt like was we can't go anywhere else. I had teenagers. I had like, mm-hmm. how can I leave this social circle when these teenagers need some kind of connectedness right. with other people? And I couldn't visualize how we could walk out of the Mormon mm-hmm. church. or And I don't even know if, if my husband felt yet like he could. He was still... Um, wrestling with that putting w- this all together. Is that his mission field then? Um, Is that how he looked at it? Maybe, and I think after a time, he just he just felt dead, like mm. it wasn't even... Yeah, I mean, he did, because he wanted to share mm-hmm. what God was showing him, he wanted to share. And then after being shut down so many times, he just felt like, it, why share anymore? And um, so we just kept chugging along, and... I, me feeling like this is what we have to do. And I got more and more involved in time-consuming calling. So like in LDS church, the bishop, who's kind of like the pastor, he comes to you and says, you are called to this position. You're going to work in nursery. You're going to work with the primary, the elementary age children, or you're going to work with young women, mm-hmm. or you're going, they tell you where you're going to be because they have inspiration from God. Right. They say that lets you know what you need right. to do. So you go where they put you. So I was put in some callings that were pretty time demanding. And I had, I was homeschooling. I had young children and it was very draining. I was very busy. I learned a lot. So I'm grateful for it. I had some that I learned skills that are now useful in mm-hmm. my life, what God's doing in my life now. Right. But it was very draining. And I just was like stuck in that. And I was pregnant with my last, my youngest child. 
And we came to church in the parking lot and everybody else had filed out, you know, rushing right. into church and I'm nine months pregnant and oh. slowly getting out of the vehicle. And I just stood there outside of the vehicle and I looked at the church and I just felt this overwhelming deadness. Like, mm. I feel so dead inside and there's more deadness inside. I don't want to go in there. And I looked out across the parking lot. There was, there's a... Christian church out across the way with some very enthusiastic worship music. I could hear it coming, Um, pouring out of the doors. The doors were closed, but I could still uh hear it. And every bit of me wanted to walk across that parking lot and go into that church. And I did not do it. I had all my excuses. I was afraid if I didn't show up in the LDS church, Uh my husband would think, but, you know, she's in labor under a tree right, somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Panic. And, uh, you know, I think there's a million things. You know, there's so many different ways I could have did it. But I just I just denied that. And I went into that church building, into the Mormon church building, and just continued in more deadness. And I think that's, to me, that's why I felt so passionate about when I feel God calling me to do something, to do it. Because we stayed in there another seven years oh, after that. Oh, my goodness. That. Oh, my goodness. And so... I often wonder, what would have happened? What if I had crossed that parking lot? Because Kevin, uh, my husband had been saying, we we should go see these other churches. You know, I feel like God's wanting us to go visit these churches. I'm like, okay, I'm game, but let's make sure we have time around all my callings, everything I'm doing, and we never did. Mm. And you just wonder how different would have things played out. So, So do you think that they kept you busy? Oh, yeah. So that you wouldn't go seek elsewhere? I I think so. Um, I think, I know they they, they would discuss this in church that when you give somebody a calling, it keeps them active because they're busy. So I think to a degree, yes, Mm -hmm. that's intentional. I don't know if every bishop's thinking, keep them busy, keep them busy, but it's for sure that's what Mm -hmm. happens. But do you realize that all things work out for the good of those that trust in the Lord? Yes. you can't look back and say what would be different. Right. Because God intended you to be where you were yeah. at that time. So how did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? So wallowed around for several more years. And um, I had several miscarriages all in a row. And it was really emotionally hard. Mm. And after one of them, I just, I just started bawling and crying. And up to that time... Through several experiences, I'd been stuffing emotions and um, felt so dead inside and felt like I was carrying all this load, even though my husband had been born again. I had a different husband. Mm-hmm. I was still carrying all this stuff I hadn't let mm-hmm. go of. And so um, in the middle of one of the miscarriages, I just started crying and crying. And, and I was like, whoa, uncontrollable crying. And uh, my husband was asleep in bed. I just moved myself downstairs because I was... <laughs> making so much noise and just all that brokenness was coming out and um pretty soon I realized I wasn't crying about the miscarriage anymore I was crying about all this stuff all this brokenness and hurt and pain and um um I I don't even remember but at some point I I picked up a bible just a Bible. The LDS use uh, a Book of Mormon, Doctrine and mm-hmm. Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, mm-hmm. and a Bible. But I had mm-hmm. picked up just a Bible, and I was holding it um, in my hands. And as I was sobbing and crying, I clutched it to my chest. And then pretty soon, it was like I was just flooded with this love and a peace. Like, like it was like a vacuum. It was just quiet. All those emotions were gone, and I was just so peaceful and quiet. And... Um, 
when I when when I came to and was paying attention more, I realized that I had been clutching this Bible to my chest. And um, over the next couple of days, I realized something was different. Um, something had changed in me. I was more patient with my children. I had a deep desire to seek out God, to be praying, to be reading scripture, to, you know, I just had an intense desire to know him. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I was afraid if I did, the spell would be broken, you know, <laughs> whatever this away. was, mm-hmm. it felt so right. good. And finally, I worked up the courage and told my husband and told my kids. And God just started working in my life. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the first things he did was started showing me idols in my life that I mm. had. I'd made idols out of my children, out of my husband, and um, just undoing me inside. Uh, I had always thought I was pretty righteous. And um, because I followed all those things LDS Church said to do, so I thought I was pretty good. And it's like he just held this mirror up to my heart, and I could see the ugliness of what was in my heart. And when I was born again, it was more his love and my acknowledging my brokenness for be, before him, but it was a process. It probably took a couple months before I acknowledged my sinfulness before mm. him mm-hmm. and how I was nothing. And when I acknowledged that nothing, I nothingness before him, it was like I was an empty vessel. And when I was an empty vessel, the more empty I was, the more he could pour me full of right. him and the Holy Spirit and the more he could work in my life. I never would have understood that before. I would have thought mm. that was opposite (laughs) it's awesome what god can do yes yes so but did the family did your family notice a change in you that's a good question um i I guess to ask them i don't (laughs) how hard was it for the girls to transfer from that church to a christian Mm. church you know this was a real process because at first, I was like, Kevin, I thought, we can do this in the context of the LDS church. This is, this is, this can happen within the LDS church. I can be born again, and I can continue to be LDS. And that's what I tried for a little while. How long did, it, did you try that? Um, I think within four months, yeah. I knew, I knew I could not be there anymore. Yeah. What was your first clue? Um... One was God kept telling me, be vulnerable. It was like it was rattling around my head, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. So when I would see people at church, I would share. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. You would share? I, I would share, like, if I'd had a painful um, experience, like with miscarriage, or it was like, be real, share the pain, because my experience was in the LDS church, people aren't very real with each other because you need to be working to be good. And if you're sharing the vulnerable parts, the shame, the pain, then, then, then you aren't doing very well as a righteous person. And people do not spontaneously pray with each other. I never had that happen to me in the LDS church. Um, stepping into Christianity, into Christian churches, and you share something painful, so often people say, can I pray with you right mm-hmm. now? And they'll stop, put their arm around you and pray for you. Mm-hmm. And I never experienced that. And God was pushing me to do that, even though I hadn't seen it modeled yet in Christianity. So in the LDS church, when you were vulnerable, they did not respond positively? I had some positive response from some people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
some people who were going through some painful things, it, it resonated with them. But then I had others who would say, um, there's certain phrases like shutdown phrases. Mm. I had a sister pass away during mm. this whole process, mm-hmm. and I was sharing with somebody about this, and they said, oh, well, aren't you glad families are forever? Mm-hmm. It's like this catchphrase that means mm-hmm. stop grieving, stop being a mess, be... Be glad she... Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So. Yes. <clears throat> well... So- We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll finish sharing with Amy about the grieving process and about when she transferred over and how she managed to get her kids convinced that it's a good thing. So we'll talk to you when we come back from break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. We've been spending this time with Amy, who is a Mormon reborn, reborn (laughs) into Christianity. And she's been sharing, and and she's been converted into Christianity. And she's just going to talk to us and kind of wrap up how she brought her family out of the Mormon church into Um, into Christianity and the effects that that had. Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit really started working on me and revealing truth. And uh, it was a wrestle um, to let go of the Book of Mormon, to embrace embrace the Bible. And um, at first, my husband said, 
you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> he was worried. And then after a time, he looked at me, you know, and it was almost more like, wait up for me. Don't, don't leave me here. <laughs> and uh, he just, he was, he was ready to go. And as I was learning, I was sharing. And there were things like God was already working in him. And it was like, it just made, I'm more the researcher. And yes. I think it made things more concrete for him seeing it researched, mm-hmm. seeing these things. So he was ready to go when I was, and that was a huge blessing because it doesn't always right. work that way for families. And then once I realized I had to leave, um, our, our first thoughts were, what about our kids? Right. We had been faithful in attending and them going to all their activities. And how do we pull our kids out of this? My first instinct was, just lay it down and tell them they're never setting their foot in the Mormon church again in that, you know, building right. they can't go. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit said, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need, you know, he just was like, just slow, take it slow. And we would share with them what we were learning. We had a lot of discussions at home and, um, as, so as they were learning, they were beginning to see truth. And during, even before I was born again, I was having a wrestling. I saw the deficiency of the teachings. There, there wasn't teachings on grace in the LDS right. church. So I sent my kids to vacation Bible schools All right. because I wanted them to hear about grace. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it, I, it was important for them mm-hmm. to know that. And so um, they had, they would come home and say, this this teacher at VBS said this and we would discuss it and be open with them. And um, so we'd had some foundation for it. Um, so we're, we're teaching them all along and they're, they're beginning to see themselves the differences of what's going on, but we never said you, you can't go. And they right. continued to go. And after a time I, I couldn't go, I could not set foot in the building. Um, it just made me feel panicky and I just thought I couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped attending and they still wanted to attend. So they had neighbors who would bring them. And I was worried, like, are they ever going to wean themselves from this? I mean, it was their, what made it so difficult. It was their social, exactly. their peer group. It was yep. their friends. It had been all their, almost all their social activities. Yep. Um, there was a homeschool group that we were involved with um, that had a lot of Christian people who attended. And so we did. I'm very grateful for that because we had some foundation right. of some Christian people they were friends with. And um, it was it was a very slow process. And I would feel like, like I would, the Holy Spirit really convict me about the temple and it was wrong. And I'm like, how do I share that with them? How do I bring that up when they, we've been teaching them something opposite all right. along. And I'd be praying about that, and then one of my my girls, one of my um, would come to me and say, "Mom, what do you think of the temple?" Oh, and wow. I'd be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, well." And then we would mm-hmm. have that discussion. So it was just piece by piece. And from the time I realized I had to leave, to the time they finally went to their last activity, it was a full year. A year of processing mm-hmm. and them and them feeling ready to be done and I'm they came home from an activity and they were in tears and said oh. I can't go back I get, the Holy Spirit wasn't there I can't go back and each of them in that process of time had had a born-again experience mm-hmm. we shared the gospel with them and mm-hmm. they'd asked Jesus Christ to be their savior so the Holy Spirit was working in their lives and um just as he promised yes so that that even then once you the Holy Spirit's working and moving and still it was hard because 
um, I would find we'd go to a Christian church and like the pastor speaking speaking Christian ease. Right. There, there are words that um, Christians use, and to a Mormon, they're speaking Mormonese. Right. Grace means something different to mm-hmm. both of them, or salvation, mm-hmm. or and so it was like we were speaking at cross purposes. Right. And so that was really difficult, um, trying to bridge that gap right. between Mormonism and Christianity, and. Um, it's very difficult, and I think it's only like 17% of people who leave the LDS church become born-again Christian, Bible-believing Christians, mm-hmm. and the rest are atheists or some other various form of... <clears throat> and you had mentioned, um, not right now on the radio, pre, I mean, today, but you had talked to us earlier about Facebook, mm-hmm. a group. Why don't you explain that? Okay. There... Um, here where, where we live is not a very high LDS population, so there were no local support groups for people transitioning from Mormonism to Christianity and other areas, higher population areas um, have that. Um, so for me, it was huge. I found a Facebook group called Ex-Mormon Christians, and um, that was huge in understanding and in my transition to coming to grasp with Christianity and the differences between Mormonism. And um, I help with administration on that Facebook group. So if anybody is ready to embrace biblical Christianity coming out of the Mormon faith, um, that is an excellent one to look for online. Um, there's We have some other groups for people who maybe aren't ready quite ready to embrace biblical Christianity that we can help refer you to. And... Um, Anyway, it's an awesome place to get so some support. So they just go to Facebook? Yes, go to Facebook and type in ex-Mormon Christians. Okay. And, um, and you, it, should, it should pop up for you. Okay. X, E-X-M-O-R-M-O-N? Oh. Yep, Christians. ex-Mormon Christians. And okay. it's a closed group, so nobody people can't see the conversations okay. that happen there. So it's a safe place to share, ask questions, and get answers. It's a difficult, <coughs> difficult transition, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Okay. <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. And listeners, thank you for listening today. We, um, we, have, we can't really announce our next Friday show because we're still working on it. Um, but as usual, it's going to be interesting. So you just have to kind of show up next Friday like we do. <laughs> and you can, uh, you know, she shows up. I sometimes miss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, until then, you can connect with us at Facebook, GodsGirl7.com, Twitter.com/slash GodsGirl7. Email us AbaDaddyHouse7 at gmail.com or on our website AbaDaddyGirls.com. And of course, you can always listen to to this episode or past episodes at abadaddygirls.live. You can call us if you want to be on the show. Yeah. So we really have enjoyed, Amy. Thank you so much. Any any parting words? Um, God is good. All the time. All the time. All yes. the time. That's right. And we yes, do. And we do thank him for this time. And thank you, John Mauger, for this office. Yes. And major bargains here in Cottonwood, Idaho. Have a good week, guys. God's there. He's with you. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.